All right, welcome everyone to the Ben and Corey podcast. I'm here as always with my partner, Benjamin Carlson. Hello there. And we're also joined by recurring guest host, Brian Wells. Hey guys, how's it going? So we've got some week 11 NFL talk coming your way with lots of key games that have playoff implications to discuss. We'll also catch you up on the first month of the NBA season as Jimmy Butler was finally traded. And as usual, when Brian comes on the podcast, we'll be talking a little baseball. The Red Sox won yet another World Series, so we'll recap their championship. But that's somewhat old news at this point, so we'll look ahead into what to expect this offseason with free agency now underway. So with that, let's get started. Week 10 of the NFL season has concluded, and with the season more than halfway finished, it's starting to become clear who will be playing in January and who is already looking ahead to 2019. We'll talk about the excitement for this weekend's most important battles, including the highly anticipated showdown on Monday Night Football between the Rams and the Chiefs, as well as discuss Le'Veon Bell's decision to sit out the entire 2018 season. We're now almost a month into the NBA season, and while Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston have dominated the East as expected, the Warriors are looking down at some unexpected competition with several of the West's most notable teams struggling. We'll discuss everything unfolding so far this young season and debate if we're overreacting to some of the early team performances and storylines. For the fourth time in 15 seasons, the Boston Red Sox are world champions. With MLB hot stove starting to heat up, we'll break down what's ahead this offseason as some, some of big-time players with Bryce Harper and Manny Machado under the spotlight, enter free agency and set uh, to alter the baseball landscape for 2019. And in honor of Thanksgiving, the three of us count down the best Thanksgiving dinner dishes in today's top five. started by continuing our NFL talk. Uh, we're now at week 11, so more than halfway through the season. We have a lot of good games that we want to break down and discuss uh, coming up this week, but before that, uh, I think we would be doing a disservice, especially considering that I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, if we didn't talk about Le'Veon Bell's official decision to sit out the entire 2018 season by not signing his franchise tag before the November 13th deadline. Well, well, first off, I think that it's, uh, it's pretty cool that, uh, he's, he's willing to do this for the good of the league because I think running backs definitely get shafted in general. Um, there's a few people who don't like Todd Gurley, but there, for the most part, I think that being a running back in the NFL is a raw deal because you can have such an influence on the game, but you can be so expendable to your team at the same time. Um, plus, I think it's really surprising and kind of a feel-good story that James Conner has been so good in Le'Veon's stead. 
Yeah, to add on to the, like running backs being expendable, um, well, if you look at the Giants' um, situation right now, like Saquon Barkley is is absolutely killing it this season, but they've only have had like two or three wins this year, and they're not even going to be a playoff team, and they're going to be um, one of the top ten picks in the draft next year. Yeah, they definitely have two wins. They got their second over the <laughs> Niners. God. So I. Since the beginning of this, uh, I've always been under the uh, belief that the Steelers didn't need to pay Bell the kind of money that he needs to be a Super Bowl contending team, and that, if anything, it would hurt them, uh, committing that much money to running back. And I understand the idea that running back is a volatile position, the the lifespan in the NFL is very short, and that Bell wants to capitalize on his talent and make as much money now as he can before injuries or just you know general wear and tear from uh, touching the ball three to four hundred times a season catches up to him but to me I think I'm a little more disappointed in that uh, Bell just totally left the team in the dark uh, didn't tell anyone uh, his actual plans it was repeatedly oh he's gonna come back week one no he's not coming back week one he's gonna come back uh, sometime in the end of September and that didn't happen He's going to come back for the bye week. No, he's going to come back. Yeah, when? He's going to come back before the deadline. And that that also didn't happen. And those were reports as late as last week after the, the victory over the Panthers. Now, I think the Steelers, um, the, the, the locker room was probably not ex- willing to just easily welcome him back. You know, that's something that they had always said. But there were, you know, the offensive linemen all complaining about him when he uh, first announced he wouldn't be showing up week one. I definitely think that uh, it wouldn't have been just a, you know, easy going, oh, one-two combo with Bell and Connor in the backfield. But it's all over now. The Steelers can just focus on continuing to win football games, which they've been doing really well having won five in a row. Uh, entering this week well i, I think that you, the uh the, a lot of fantasy owners probably echo your sentiment there Corey, that they wish they'd known what Le'Veon bell was uh gonna be doing this season but i don't think he knew either i like he probably knew james connor was pretty good but i don't know if anyone maybe <laughs> i don't even know if james <laughs> connor expected to be as good as he's been i think there was always an opportunity for the the steelers to suck and then Le'Veon to come back and be great, and then for him to say, "Yeah, d- don't I deserve big money next year?" You know, so I, I just don't think that I, I think that's just not how it played out. Part of me thinks he's smart for setting out, you know, for his health, but at the same time, like because James Conner's killing it, that maybe Le'Veon is also losing value entering free agency next year. Well, actually, Corey, you know his situation better than I do. Like, um, how does it work out if he sits the entire year, like? not sign the franchise tender yeah so the original report was that if he sat out the entire year he wouldn't accrue an nfl season and wouldn't be able to be a free agent but that was proven to not be the case because he's already played four years in the league and therefore he is eligible for free agency um so basically the way that this works for bell is that if the steelers were to give him a franchise again um he would have to or he would be not just the top five running back salary uh, or 120% of what it was last year, but it would be the top five quarterback salary. So that would be in the twenty over $20 million. That's not something the Steelers are in a position to do. So had he reported, uh, they could have given him the transition tag in the offseason, which basically would have made him a restricted free agent where he would have had a 
qualifying offer and teams could sign him to a new new deal which the Steelers had the right to match um but had he done that it would have potentially been whatever the uh, 120% of whatever contract he actually earned for the season which missing out on 10 weeks $855,000 uh per week that was be way below the 14 and a half million dollars that he could have made showing up week 1 so for Bell, it basically just gives him a clean slate in the offseason. The Steelers are not giving him a third franchise tag, and I would be surprised if they... Well, actually, I guess I don't know how it works from the transition tag perspective. They, I think it would be $14.5 million if they were to give it to him, if they can do that. Uh, but I, at this point, I'm, I'm expecting just a mutual parting of ways with Bell finding a new contract, whatever another team is actually willing to pay him, and the Steelers getting a third-round compensatory pick and... That'll be that. Do you know which teams you think he'll go to next year, like Texans or Jets? I think Texans and Jets are two of uh, two popular picks. I think uh, Ben's 49ers. I don't know how you'd feel about that, Ben. I'd love to have Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he's an amazing running back, and we have the money, but it just doesn't really make sense. Jarek McKinnon will be fully healthy. You know, Assuming Jarek McKinnon is fully healthy, we already have a running back uh not problem, right? But it, there's a question mark at who's going to be the, the running back one because Matt Breda has shown to be you know a pretty good on a bad Niners team. So if we have Breda and McKinnon at a fraction of the price, I don't see why we would add Le'Veon Bell to that uh, you know that backfield. If they sign Le'Veon Bell, Jarek McKinnon would be the highest paid third down running back of all time. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't make sense. I, I think that the, the Niners running back committee next year will look a lot like the Falcons running back committee looked like two years ago where you'll have Jarek McKinnon allegedly you'll have Jarek McKinnon as running back 1A and then Matt Breda as running back 1B but honestly the way Breda's been playing it, it, it would be I think it would be frustrating for him to have to sit behind somebody right now he's playing good football yeah it's definitely a good problem to have in San Francisco um, I think for me, if I had to predict a team, it would be the Jets, but that's that's down the road. Um, that's something we can get into when free agency actually starts in March. But for now, we still have regular season football. Uh, week 11 is coming up, and there are uh, more than a few games that we want to kind of talk about because uh, we have a lot of playoff implications ahead of us, and where else to start other than the Rams versus the Chiefs. LA is 8-1. Kansas City is 9-1. Now, these two teams were supposed to play in Mexico City. Unfortunately, the field conditions uh, weren't up to the standard. Players were threatening to not play because they thought it would be that big of a hazard to them. Uh, nonetheless, we're looking at the best team in the AFC standings-wise going up against the the first or second best in the NFC, as the Rams did lose to the Saints. Uh, that being, who's better than the Chiefs? Who's better than the Chiefs in the AFC? No, the Chiefs are nine and one. They're first place in the AFC. I know, but you're saying they're allegedly the best because of their record. <laughs> oh, I think okay. their record's accurate. <laughs> you're right. No. <laughs> um. Well, we can get into that now because the question that we're asking ourselves is: Will Monday Night Football be a sneak peek at the Super Bowl? Looks like none of us know. <laughs> well, I honestly, you never know these things. I think it's uh, 
it's uh, could be the way the NFL works, right? Is that you get one each playoff game. It's single elimination. Anything can happen. So the best team very easily can get eliminated in the first round uh, or the first game that they play if they get the divisional. But um, I, I think that we're lucky to experience this kind of matchup midseason. Both of these teams have been making history, and they're getting and we get to see them in the middle of the season. Like that's amazing. Me- the entire country of Mexico should be. Uh, to feel ashamed that they're missing out on seeing yeah. this one live because it's uh this is probably the best matchup you could ask for uh short of maybe saints chiefs okay well you know you can give uh you know what kind of response you want about oh it, nfl it's a one game uh playoff elimination but brian are the rams and the chiefs your super bowl pick right now or do you want to say that someone else is getting there um, in the AFC, I, I definitely think it'll be the Chiefs. Um, but in the NFC, I still think the Saints are a good choice as well. Like, and maybe the Vikings if, if they were able to turn things around. Um, and if you look at the past five Super Bowls, uh, four of the last five have been both like the one seats from the AFC and NFC. And the one Super Bowl not having that was Patriots Falcons when the Patriots were also one seed, but the Falcons were two. So. If both if both the Rams and Chiefs are one seeds, like it's very very likely that uh, both of them will be in the Super Bowl. And um, you know, if you look at the AFC, I just I don't see like um, I don't think the Patriots are, are going to be um, as good as past past years. Um, I'm just not as high on them as other years. Um, if you watch the Tennessee game that was like one of the worst games I've ever watched like as a as a Patriots fan like they just straight up quit in that game and uh I remember like a few years ago when they played Kansas City um if in that 2014 season when they got absolutely shredded um at least they showed some effort in that game but they just straight up quit and I hated that Brady threw um threw to Josh Gordon 12 times and Chris Hogan only once and um, that's just not the way their offense really works. And, you know, the linebackers are slow They're uh, the D linemen aren't getting any, aren't getting any pressure towards the quarterback. Um, and really the only good, the good player on their defense right now is Gilmore. And even he wasn't very good versus Corey Davis in that game. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll echo your sentiments and say that I think the, the chiefs are going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. And, you know, as you mentioned, the one seed uh, has made it to the Super Bowl nine of the last 10 times. And the only exception, the two seed Atlanta Falcons still hosted the NFC Championship game. So having home field advantage, I think, is going to be key once again this year. Kansas City with a two game lead over New England, two and a half over Pittsburgh. I don't think either of those teams are going to be able to catch up to them because I don't think the Chiefs are going to stumble. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going to say Chiefs. Before the season started, I picked the Rams to be the one seed in the NFC, but lose in the divisional round. And I, it could happen. I don't know if I'm D- Dallas did the same thing. Walking off on that, yeah. It's so like to me, it was just after seeing him play in the playoffs last year, it had me hesitant to think that the Rams would show up when it matters. Um, but I, I, I also think the Saints are the the favorite in the NFC right now, and I think we could end up having a, a couple other games uh, you know maybe not as exciting as Rams Chiefs that could also be potential Super Bowl previews uh, coming up in December with Patriots Vikings and Steelers Saints so 
to me, if I were to say one of the three is the Super Bowl preview, it would be this game, though. Rams versus Chiefs. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, was, I doubted Mahomes early, and I definitely paid the price for that. But uh, honestly, I just can't ignore the fact that for the Patriots, the regular season starts in January. So I, I'm like... I don't think you can discount playoff Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, despite how crazy good the Chiefs have been. Um, I'm not going to punch their ticket quite yet. And for the same thing with the Rams, like you, you still got the Saints and the NFC is, you know, there's talent there. So for this matchup individually, though, I think uh, I think that the Rams actually have the edge. And I think it's because both of these offenses are going to be firing on all cylinders. But I think the Rams have the edge on defense. I think Aaron Donald... If Aaron Donald can show up uh, in in when it matters the most, I think that's what can push the Rams over the edge. Aaron, Aaron Donald can be absolutely dominant, but there have been times where he's disappeared when the Rams have needed him most. And uh, I think that, well, mainly when they played the Saints, but I think this if he can show up in this game, give me the Rams on Monday night. Can't also forget the fact that even though the Chiefs have been just horrible on defense, they actually get Justin Houston back, who is probably their best player on defense if it's not Eric Berry. Yeah, the Chiefs defense has definitely played a lot better than they did um, coming out of the gates. I think if this game was still in Mexico City, I would lean toward Kansas City. But now that it's in LA, I think I'm giving a slight advantage to the Rams uh, defending their home field. But let's move on to another game, and that is uh, the new Sunday night football matchup uh, that was flexed in, and that is Bears versus Vikings, the two teams at the top of the NFC North with Chicago, a team that a lot of people were uh, considered a dark horse, uh, living up to that billing as they're 6-3. and three. Vikings come in, uh, they do have a tie, but they are 5-3-1 and one and have a chance to reclaim the division that they won, or the lead in the division that they won last year. Uh, but we have to ask ourselves, can the Monsters of the Midway really win the NFC North? And Brian, as a notable Mitchell Trubisky hater, I'm curious what your thoughts are on the Bears now that they are in first place in Week 11. Uh, he has played a little bit better. Um, I'll give him that for sure. But between these two, I still really like the Vikings. I'm definitely a big Kirk Cousins fan. You know, Adam Thielen's, uh, you know, excluding Pat Mahomes and Todd Gurley, he's probably the MVP of the league after those two guys. And Dalvin Cook, hopefully he can get healthy. And same with Diggs. And I still think even though they've struggled, you know, the beginning part of the year on defense, I still think they're one of the top defenses in the league as well. So if between the two, like even though I was probably too down on the Bears, I still like the Vikings more. Um, like to win the division. Well, the, these two teams haven't played each other yet, and I think that this series determines who goes. Uh, who wins it, right? And that's that's kind of obvious, but uh, it's the the fact that they haven't played in this this late in the year, I think, makes it really unclear who's really going to win. Um, both of them have schedules after this that I think they can win most of the games. I think both of them will have a positive record moving forward, but it it's just really beating the other one. Um, and I mean, if the if they split the series, then I think that the Bears win it, so give them a slight edge. But it's just who can win straight up between these two? Um, I give the Bears the slight advantage, but only slightly. Uh, you, Mitch Trubisky has to play that kind of 
uh, lights out that he's played. I mean, I never thought I'd see Mitch Trubisky throw six touchdowns in a game, but he's got he's been playing good quarterback. Allen Robinson has lived up to that wide receiver one billing, and uh, he's got a crazy two headed monster in uh, Tariq Cohen and uh, uh, Jordan Tariq Howard. Cohen and Jordan Howard. Yes, and they're they're even though Jordan Howard hasn't been really all that threatening this season, he's still kind of a bruiser between the tackles and treat Cohen is just crazy fast. He's like a uh, Tyree kill light, but way more of a running back than a, than a wide receiver. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just, it's just that, uh, like, I don't think the Packers even like have a chance to win the division. Like I'd still take, I'd even take the bears over them. It's just, it's literally just Rogers and, and 52, like, Jags (laughs) Jags <laughs> like it's the, their offense is just relying on Rodgers to run around in the pocket and hopefully he can make a big play and it, it's yep. just him and Devontae Adams and like that's it yep I agree yeah to me it's it's just the Bears and the Vikings that have a chance in this division at this point um I was very big on the Vikings this year going as far as predicting them to win the Super Bowl but I also was uh one of the believers in the Bears and, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that the winner of this game is going to be uh, in great position to ride out the, uh, the division title because the Bears would get a one-and-a-half game lead over the Vikings while the Vikings would have a win in Soldier, Soldier Field. And uh, I, I'm very excited for this one. I, I want to pick the Bears to win, but I think I'm going to have to stick with the Vikings. I think they are an all-around better team. Having to play in Chicago will be tough, but uh, I think both of these teams end up making the playoffs because I think whoever doesn't win the division gets one of the two wild cards in the NFC. No, I agree with that. If you look around like at the other divisions, like especially the NFC West, like the second-best team, I think, is Seattle, and they don't. I think they only have four wins. So yeah, the NFC is not sending two teams to the playoffs. The <laughs> NFC West is not sending two teams yeah. to the playoffs. It's it's gonna be the Rams have already won it. I think they actually have an opportunity to clinch. They do this if Seattle loses and LA wins, they clinch the division. I think they'd yeah, only be so. the second team to ever clinch a division in Week Eleven. I know that that's like the Niners are in the NFC West, so that's sad. <laughs> Our division winner is gonna be decided so early, but it does make me happy that Russell Wilson can be this bad. Like after basically his rookie season, Russell Wilson has dominated the NFC West, and it's nice to see that change. <laughs> I mean, now we have the god dang Rams, but the Rams have a lot of things riding on winning this season, and if they don't do that, then they're gonna they potentially could go be much worse moving forward. So I'll take it. I will take it. <laughs> ben, how do you I mean, like that? Yeah, uh, that's a good outlook. Ben, how do you like that? Uh, Nick Mullins is gonna be the new franchise quarterback in, in san fran <laughs> hashtag bdm uh it's i'll let you figure out what that stands for um he is gonna make the rest of the season watchable that's the way i look at it uh cj bethard had a shot i think we should move on from him and let nick mullins try to prove himself he, he had two interceptions on monday night football not his fault one of them eh, it was kind of a poor decision but the ball got batted into the air and happened to land right in the linebacker's hands then the second one marquise goodwin literally like stone hands it right to the defender so i don't i think nick mullins has played pretty good so far i'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the year uh but i don't know if he's really challenging jimmy for anything <laughs> no, no quarterback controversy so far that's a shame no i 
Yeah, losing to the Giants at home definitely uh, doesn't help his chances of unseating the $137 million man in San Francisco. Agreed. Uh, But let's move on. And uh, another big game, the uh, America's Game of the Week, as it will be dubbed by Fox, is the Saints and the Eagles. Uh, We've already talked about the Saints, how we think that they're probably the favorite in the NFC. They are riding high in the South Division. Uh, while the Eagles, defending Super Bowl champs, not having the same success they had last year as they are now 4-5 and five following a loss to the Dallas Cowboys at home this past week. And that begs the question, are the defending champs still a threat in the NFC? I think they've got serious injury problems. I, I think that they have to overcome that if they want to do anything. Uh, they just lost Ronald Darby for the year. Uh, the other cornerback they had is injured as well. Uh, it's just, I don't think they're the same team. They're not at full strength. And, uh, I don't think they really stand a chance this weekend against this amazing saints team. I was going to say the exact same thing that their defense is just not as good as, as last year, even though they gave up like 33 points in the Super Bowl, So maybe it doesn't matter that much, but yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, their offense looked good. Um, especially Zach Ertz, but, and then the addition of golden Tate, but they don't really have a running game that much. And, yeah, their defense just isn't as good, especially losing Darby, like, for the year uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I definitely... Pre- well, I'm just, I was just going to say, the, the road to the playoffs for them isn't exactly oh, no. an easy one either. No, so, no, it doesn't get any easier after this week against New Orleans. So they still have to play the, the Redskins twice. They have to go yep. to Dallas. They have to play the Rams. Um, and yeah, the Texans. And the Texans, you're right. Um, and I, I definitely expected a drop-off from the Eagles, uh, but I, I still thought they were going to be a playoff team. I, I still thought they were going to find a way to win this division. And I think after this past week with the Eagles losing to Dallas, uh, while the Redskins knocked off the Bucks to get in a two-game lead, I'm not so sure that Philly season is going to turn around anytime soon. And I think we could see a hard crash uh, when these final standings are done uh, for the defending Super Bowl champions. If they go out and beat New Orleans this week, then, you know, take everything off the table. But until they actually uh, pull off a victory like that, I, I don't think you can really be threatened by this team. If you told me that the Redskins led by Alex Smith and their healthiest uh, option is Jordan Reed to win the division. I would have thought you were nuts, but they actually could with the, they could, yeah. <laughs> I think that it, it will be interesting to see how the 2018 Eagles match up with the 2018 Redskins. Cause they, they still do have those two games left. Uh, and it's in the division. Um, again, I still don't understand the Redskins. Uh, <laughs> I could see them de- demolishing the, this Eagles team, or I could see them, blowing it so we'll have to see but as it stands right now i think the eagles have a tough time being a contender moving forward well with all this talk about the redskins why don't we talk about their upcoming game this week against the houston texans so uh the redskins six and three the texans are six and three and both of these teams took taken a little different path to get there with houston starting out zero and three looking like they were uh, dead in the water and then riding off a six-game winning streak, while Washington has not had a single lead change in any of their games. They either jump out in front and win, or they fall behind and uh, put that one in the loss column. 
And, you know, with both these teams leading their divisions and two divisions that aren't very good, it seems like they're the front runners to, uh, you know, make it out and be in the playoffs this year. But the question we ask ourselves, is either of these teams actually a threat? I don't think the Redskins are because the Rams and the Saints, like we said with the Eagles, are just way too good compared to the rest of the NFC. And then the Texans, the Texans I see as a bigger threat. Um, I don't think they'll make the Super Bowl, but I think they have a much better chance than the Redskins do in the NFC. Yeah, I, again, I I keep harping on this, but it's just because there's so many, a lot of these schedules seem to be backloaded with these division matchups, but it's just, can you take care of business inside your own division? Outside of that, I mean, the, the Texans have to play the Browns, the Jets, and I mean, the Eagles, but I mean, a worse version of the Eagles. If they can, if they can match up well, I mean, they've already, the Texans have already beat the Jaguars, so you think maybe they could get that win in week 17. Uh, you know, if they can, if they can beat the Titans and the Colts, it's it looks good for them. So I uh, I think that they're a contender. Like I said before, I don't understand the Redskins. I could see them, you know, getting lots of wins moving forward or totally collapsing and uh, being as terrible as I think that they are on paper. So I I have no idea. Texans, I think, are a contender. Redskins are an anomaly. The or Red- an enigma, rather. <laughs> yeah, the Redskins' consistency just I, going into this season. I thought they were a seven and nine team. That's something that I, I feel like I keep bringing up. Uh, I've definitely like kind of bought into them, at least in terms of their chances to win the NFC East. But I, I don't know. Alex Smith, all he does is win football games, and I don't think he's going to have any success with them in the playoffs. I think if they end up as a four seed, they're probably going to lose to. You know, whether it's the Panthers or whoever doesn't win the NFC North. But when it comes to the Texans, they're they're starting to look pretty scary. And uh, I know, you know, Ben went as far as to say that they would be the number one seed in the AFC. I think we both had them losing in the AFC championship game um, at the start of the season. And while I do think the those top three teams in the AFC with the, the Chiefs, Patriots, and Steelers are going to be difficult for the Texans to get past the the more they keep winning the the better they're looking and I definitely think that they need to be considered a legitimate uh, threat in that conference my second favorite team out of the AFC would actually be the Chargers and not the Patriots or Steelers especially if with Bosa back and if if they actually miraculously get Hunter Henry back on offense um, like with Melvin Gordon and Keenan Allen doing their thing like I if Unfortunately for them, like they have to start out, um, you know, likely as the five seed. So they're going to be on the road for pretty much every game. Um, if their road wasn't as hard, like I would love them to make the Super Bowl, but I can just totally see them maybe winning, winning their wild card game, but then just going to Kate, uh, Casey and then losing. Yeah, but I think you're right. They, they've pretty much got the five seed locked up. At this point, they're the clear favorites to be the wild card. Everybody else is kind of a mixed bag for the sixth seed. But the, I I mean, the Chargers could be winning a division that they're not in right now. So uh, it's I, I like them a lot, too, at the for the wild card. Yeah, the Chargers do look pretty good right now. Um, I think a Chargers-Texans first round matchup would be uh, 
pretty exciting because mm-hmm. the AFC traditionally that four five game gets uh that that Saturday four thirty time slot and no one cares about it. But I do think that people would be uh, very intrigued by that Chargers team uh, going up against Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt out in Houston. I don't think it'll be like the that you know four thirty matchup like we had when uh it was KC versus Houston and. Brian Hoyer threw four interceptions and the game was sealed <laughs> 10 minutes into the game. So it's not going to be like that if, if we're those two meeting that matchup. No, I, I would hope not. Um, well, let's move on to two other teams that could be you know contending with the Texans for the, the top of the AFC South or at the very least a wild card. And that's the Colts and the Texans. Now the Colts started the season one and five. Uh, definitely a slow start with Andrew Luck coming back from injury, but it seems like he's uh, he's pretty close, if not already back to his old ways. Uh, oh, meanwhile, you meant, the Tennessee... You meant Colts and Titans, right? Not Texans. What did I, so, yeah, Colts yeah. and Titans. Sorry. Yeah, meanwhile, for the Titans, uh, you know, Tennessee has... You know, they made the playoffs last season, and coming into this year, they... They had a lot of question marks of Marcus Mariota at quarterback, as it seemed like he's been heading backwards instead of forwards. But they knocked off the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football in Jerry World, and this past week they dismantled the New England Patriots a 34-10 route. So now we're asking ourselves, can Luck or Mariota lead their team to a playoff berth? I mean, I think it's a great question. Uh, I like you said, I think Andrew Luck is more or less back, aided by his amazing offensive line that haven't given up a sack in four games. Yeah, that's pretty that's amazing. Insanity. Especially for that team. Right. Well, yeah, especially for that team. A team like, I mean, I know they just got Quentin Nelson, but I kind of thought that the O line was more of a, a point of weakness for the Colts. But, uh, I mean, one of those games is against the Raiders, and one of those games against the Bills, and one of those games against the jets which they lost but still um they uh, one of those games against the jaguars which i know the jaguars haven't been exactly the jaguars that we know but they still have at the very least calais campbell on that mm-hmm. d-line and, and they're they're so i think that that's quite an accomplishment if they can keep that going uh, if you give andrew luck time to throw he's going to beat you so I, I really like their chances but at the same time i think that the titans are overall a better team when they want to be and they wanted to be this Sunday, but will they want to be every week moving forward? We'll see. Uh, I think that if either one of these teams can blow out the other one, then that then like it bodes really well moving forward because they have similar schedules as far as like uh, strength of schedule moving forward. So if one of them can do something to distinguish themselves as a better team here, uh, like not just winning by a field goal, but like really blowing out the other one, I think it bodes really well for them. Um, but. I think they're both pretty good teams, better than their records show. I never thought I would hear Colts O-line and amazing in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels weird to say. <clears throat> yeah. Quentin Nelson, did you guys see that clip that's been circulating is all it, over the place? Is, with him? is it the one with Jim Irsay? Like, ah! yeah. <laughs> oh, that one, no. I thought you were talking about the one with Jim Irsay when he got drafted. <laughs> no, what was that? Oh, uh, it was just when he got drafted, like Jim Irsay called him up on the phone. He was like... Hey Quinn, what's up, man? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> you have to see the video for that if you can. Quentin Quint Nelson was such an uh, intriguing draft prospect. They were saying like one of the best O line men to come out of the draft in a while, and 
he's I mean he's he's a great physical specimen but don't let him overshadow Mike McGlinchey the right <laughs> tackle out of this well he was left tackle at Notre Dame but he's playing right tackle for the Niners uh, who's also been playing really good and I'm low-key hopeful that he'll make the uh, the Pro Bowl um, sorry guys got in got to got into the yeah. Niners where I can it's not like we're going to be talking about any uh playoff implications with them <laughs> no no uh, I, I've definitely been impressed by the the Colts this season especially Andrew Luck um and I I think that the Colts win this game they get to five and five four game winning streak and with their schedule so they play uh four divisional games three of which are on the road so after this home game against the Titans they still have to go to Tennessee Houston and Jacksonville but their other games are against the Dolphins Cowboys and Giants all at home so I think the the Colts could end up uh you know sneaking into the playoffs whether it's uh, unseating the Texans for first place or just getting in as that number six seed and maybe make some noise from there. Um, I won't go as far as to say that I think that the Colts are going to get back to the AFC Championship game like they did um, in 2014, the last time Andrew Luck was healthy for a full season. Oh, you mean but, when the Patriots deflated the footballs, you mean? Yes, yes, that game, <laughs> that game when uh, the Colts should have made the Super Bowl if the Patriots didn't cheat. Um, <laughs> but... But yeah, I, I'm I'm very big on the Colts, and if the Titans do end up winning this game, I I think I've been doubting them for a long time. But the way that they're playing right now, it's it's hard to see that if they were to get the six and four with a win in Indy, that they couldn't ride that back to the playoffs like they got last season. It's just how bad do they want it? Yep. And uh, our our final game that we want to break down is featuring two other AFC divisional rivals who are competing for at least a wild card spot at this point. And that is the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, both of these teams got off to hot starts of the season and have cooled off big time with Baltimore having lost five of their last six, Cincinnati three of their last four. The Ravens enter this game a game below 500, while the Bengals are five and four, but they are coming off a 51 to 14 blowout loss to the New Orleans Saints, just fired their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin. And now we, we're asking ourselves, does either of these AFC North rivals still have playoffs hope? I think uh, both of them have a similar chance. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like, if you look at their schedules, I think they're both kind of similar where they have some difficult games and some easy ones. Um, it For Cincinnati, it's definitely a big loss um, with AJ Green out for, you know, at least a couple weeks. And, you know, their defense looking as bad as they did versus New Orleans. Maybe that's maybe the, that's because New Orleans is the first or second best offense in the entire league. Um, and then the Ravens are kind of the opposite where their defense has been awesome. But um, offensively, they've been just, you know, OK. Like maybe with Flacco out and Lamar Jackson coming in, maybe um, he can give them a spark and they could uh, potentially be a wild card team. Yeah, I, I don't think that either one of these teams makes the playoff, but I will give you I'll give them each my strategy for them to get there. I think that Lamar Jackson is the is the the change that should happen in Baltimore and he'll kickstart the team and make that make that offense brand new and get them to the postseason. That defense can play well. John Harbaugh has always coached a pretty good D. If they can get things going on offense with Lamar Jackson, it'd be. I, the thing is, I think that only happens if Joe Flacco is really injured. If Joe Flacco is healthy, you got to play him. But you've seen the way these rookie quarterbacks have been playing. 
Maybe you give Lamar Jackson a few games and he does his thing. That's how the Ravens could make it. Slim chance, though. Uh, now, the Bengals, they've already started making this move, which I think is important. They have hired Hugh Jackson as assistant to the head coach. And uh, I think that putting the two in there was such an important distinction. Very, uh, like, it was straight out of the office. And I think that, uh, like, <laughs> a, a bold move like that, I mean, they're, they're really taking a page out of the Michael Scott playbook. And if you've ever seen The Office, no matter how dysfunctional that office gets, they always have the best numbers and perform the best in the company because Michael Scott knows some man manager tricks that other people just don't know. And one of that includes having a, a basically meaningless title that you give to your most loyal subject. And in this case, that's Hugh Jackson, assistant, special assistant to the head coach. So I think uh, that that's their best. They got to lean hard on the office references or they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to take, yeah, uh... I'm going to take back everything I said. The Bengals are doomed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a very much like a Nick Saban intern, like hire, just given a job to the most recently fired SEC head coach. Um, dude, they need to start gym at tight end, dude. Like, have you seen Jack Ryan? He looks like a, like he's totally uh, like, hardcore now to start the, i think that you may be phyllis at center or kevin at left tackle i i'm i'm going way overboard <laughs> at this, this bit but <laughs> they they started it by making giving themselves an assistant to the head coach so i would love to see uh both of these teams continue to crash and burn uh, i think one of them's gonna win this week so statistically there's not going to be a tie but we've seen it twice this season so it's always possible um I won't go as far as to say that this is an elimination game, but I do think the loser is in a world of hurt, especially the Ravens if they fall to four and six because they're they're not um, winning games right now, and I don't know if they're going to be able to turn it around because I think that uh, the the AFC at least the six seed it's going to be a, a good fight to the finish, and the Colts and the Titans definitely have. Um, been playing much better than these two teams whereas the Bengals if they they're just I don't know they're I think that they were kind of a cute story in the beginning when they were three and one and I know we did that contenders and pretenders thing and I I said contenders and I don't know if I necessarily believe that I actually thought they were pretenders but I I think if they were to lose this game at home um, it would just be a, a total collapse or about to see in Cincinnati so I think uh, I'm going to stick with what I said last time is that like to make the playoffs, they're contenders, but to actually do anything in the playoffs, like now they'll probably just like lose the first no. game. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, they play. <laughs> it would, it would, you know, as of right now, it would be Patriots versus Bengals in Gillette Stadium in the first round. And I don't think that would go well for Cincinnati. Also, just any connection to Hugh Jackson, like, no, <laughs> I don't have any faith <laughs> in any team that has any sort of connection with them like the browns actually have half decent players in their team but like because hugh jackson was so bad at, at his job they only have you know two wins or th is it three now or yeah because they, they beat the falcons just this past uh past sunday <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so that's it for nfl talk for this week let's move on to the nba we're now a month into the season and uh, we're starting to kind of get an idea of what to expect. Uh, obviously, a lot of basketball left to be played, and we'll kind of get into that later. 
But let's start out with the trade that we've been waiting to happen for uh, what feels like forever now, and that is Jimmy Butler is no longer Minnesota Timberwolf. Instead, he is on the Philadelphia 76ers, teaming up with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And right now, the Raptors, Bucks, and Celtics, um, even though Celtics are struggling, like those are the three teams that most people thought were the, the favorites in the East, but we have to wonder, what does adding Butler do? due to the Sixers' chances of making out of this conference and reaching the finals. I was going to write off Philly like before that trade, but now that Jimmy Butler is there, like I definitely, if, as a Celtics fan, would take them seriously, um, especially um, given the fact that Jimmy Butler is like one of the best defenders in the, like, in the whole NBA. Um, but... I don't know like what's going on with Markel Fultz, like what what his problem is. Like, the, can he still shoot? And well, we know Ben Simmons, Simmons still 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 can't, still can't <laughs> shoot. Um, yeah. But um, I would I think they're now a threat with after that trade. I still have them as my number two team in the East, and this just further cements their status at number two. I think Jimmy Butler's a genius. He uh, the way he finessed the uh, Timberwolves. Oh, he. he he screwed him over. Well, I mean, he goes there, <laughs> takes him to their first playoff game in how long? Yeah, that's fair. He did get him in the playoffs for the first time since 2004. Yeah, so, I mean, no, he does that, you know, and then I heard there's alleged some infidelity with Carl Anthony Towns' girlfriend and Jimmy Butler. I'm <laughs> As far as I'll go, it's all rumors, but so he, he does that. Then he beats the starters with the third strings, and then uh, leaves to go to an actual contender in the conference where the team that will win the NBA isn't. So he's, uh, I, I think he's he's made major moves and he's uh, in a better position for it. Um, I still think there's a greater chance that he's just going to bring turmoil to Philly than actually uh, get these guys where they want to be with this kind of move. Um, to me, Toronto and Milwaukee are bigger threats to the Celtics and I I don't know if it's just the fact that Jimmy Butler had a bad breakup in Chicago a bad breakup in Minnesota and now you're teaming up with two uh, young superstars in the making one of which has uh, his his uh, social media presence and uh, all the the glamour that uh, comes with Joel Embiid but I, I don't know hashtag I, trust the process yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, to me this is the end of the process and if this you know doesn't doesn't work for them um, I do think that they're gonna do their best to sign Jimmy Butler and probably will succeed in that if they have a successful season but if things don't go well and Butler ends up walking then I think uh, you, you really got to question the how much they trusted that process all these years um, even if Philly is still a, a playoff contender, because I think that they they should be a, a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference for years to come. Um, Elton Brand, the new GM, which kind of feels weird to say, is uh, adamant that this is not a knock against Markel Fultz, but you do kind of have to think that the Celtics really made a great decision trading uh, the number one pick and taking Tatum instead of Fultz. I do agree, like what you said, that um, that Jimmy Butler could end up causing more distractions. Like, if he had that much, that many problems with uh, with Fred Hoiberg in Chicago, and then he had problems with um, probably not Thibodeau, but more with like Towns and Wiggins. Like, so if he has problems with not one but two teams, like maybe it's just as likely that he'll even have 
uh, more problems in Philly. Yeah, um, I guess you know we'll we'll see what happens, but Philly definitely has an uphill battle to climb at least right now because the Raptors and the Bucks are are really killing it, and you know it's looking like the, yeah. Toronto made a really solid move bringing in Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, I'm not saying that like um, with the Jimmy Butler move that Philly's now like the best team in the East. Like I'm just saying that I, I wouldn't write him off as like I would have after. You know what happened last year in the playoffs, losing the Celtics without two of their best players, and then like not, you know, coming out strong out of the gate as they would have liked. Well, I know Ben thought Toronto was the third team in the East, and it sounds like you still feel that way. Well, I just think, and this is kind of stepping a little quickly into our overreactions thing, but I think it's super early and uh, it's, it's hard to know. I still think the Celtics are the best on paper. Like, uh, and also the team that I think could go the farthest in the postseason based on what we saw from a coaching standpoint last postseason. But um, yeah, I still think the Raptors are the number three team. Uh, it's close, especially because Kawhi Leonard is that guy. I, I really missed Kawhi Leonard while he was out. But uh, I still have those Celtics at number one, despite the struggles. I really hope that they recover. Uh, it's definitely been a, a slow start. I think I was hesitant to buy into just how good they could be, um, knowing that Gordon Hayward didn't play last year. And he plays you know, the same position as uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown. So... Uh, I was a little little concerned about how things would go with that. Kyrie has has had a very solid season um, in his return from injury, so I do think that things are going to really come together for the Celtics. And uh, but right now, I'm I'm kind of questioning whether they're going to be at least the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, just with how good Toronto and even Milwaukee with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo putting up ungodly numbers. As he seems to me like one of the the favorites in the MVP race. Uh, are starting to kind of distance themselves from the rest of the pack. The problem with the Celtics is that, like, pretty much every game I've watched, um, either whenever Jalen and Hayward are on the court, like, I don't, I don't think either of them have had a good game at the same time. Like, I feel like um, there's too many mouths to feed in that lineup. I mean, maybe that's a good thing, and eventually later in the season they can all they can all gel together, but maybe at the same time, if it doesn't get any better, maybe they have to trade one of them. Um, obviously I'm not Danny Ainge and can pull off a great trade like he could, but um, if that were uh, to come to fruition, then maybe something to consider. Yeah, that was definitely kind of my concern um, coming into the season. I, I do think that they're there's a, a lot to see what happens in terms of uh, making a move like that. And I think that one of one of Tatum and Brown would be required to like really land a, another big superstar in Boston. Um, but they, yeah, they, they totally nailed the, yeah. the Tatum pick last uh -huh. last year's draft um, by trading with Philly. I don't know. I don't think they really predicted that Markel Fultz would just be a complete mess. No, and <laughs> know how to shoot, but they definitely nailed the pick though. I wanted Fultz. I was disappointed at the time and I'm definitely not disappointed anymore. Um, I was, I was actually happy with it. I did like, I mean, I'm not a huge college basketball expert, but I did like Tatum the most 
in that draft. Um, well, one, just because I just did not want anything to do with Lonzo and his dad. But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, he's he was in, been, he's been incredible. Well, uh, you know, speaking of Lonzo and his dad, the the Lakers are you know they're starting to kind of come together a little bit. They're they're a little above five hundred right now, but they're one of the uh, many teams that are looking up the Golden State Warriors, who continue to dominate the Western Conference. Uh, but you know, the teams that we were thinking: uh, Lakers, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder. Uh, while Oklahoma City has been having a great season. The Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers are up there in the West. Yeah, you know, what what do we make of this? Like, do we think that things are going to kind of start to fall into place, or uh, is you know they're they're different teams in the West? Is it just like that loaded that um, it's going to be a lot of teams fighting for second place and who gets to lose to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals? I uh, yeah, it's definitely who gets to lose to the Warriors, but. The Thunder, after starting the season 0-3, are winners of 8 of the last 10. Uh, so don't sleep on the Thunder. Even though Russell Westbrook injured right now, the Thunder still have regular season P at the helm, winning games. <laughs> for them. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very, I'm very much hype on my Thunder. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it's just a little bit frustrating to, to know already that barring some sort of ridiculous like plane crash the warriors are still just going to win the conference <laughs> easily they do have a, a little plane bit crash of a, a, a plane crash to a team that's what's going to take yeah <laughs> it has to or or like them yeah. all getting like conspiring on some sort of crime together outside of football or basketball like something something out like, like if it's happening on the court give me the warriors you know 99 times out of 10 well dream uh, on not, yeah actually i was gonna say 99 times out of 100 <laughs> that's what i meant to say but 99 times out of 10 too because they're that good so are you are you reading into this uh dream on green suspension at all um he just spent one game uh some altercation with kevin durant uh i think that if anyone's gonna beat the warriors it's probably gonna be themselves right I guess that brings yeah. that brings the ratio down just a little bit <laughs> from ninety eight times out of ten. Is that what it's going to be now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> care. It's it's uh it's November, you know, and and Draymond Green is acting a fool. It isn't even the first time Draymond Green has acted a fool. It's not even close. They like, and this isn't also this is like not the first time that Kevin Durant has made his teammate mad. So it's it's just more or less par for the course. What's I. I I think that we'll have forgotten that this happened in a month. I can't wait for Boogie to get back and see what their lineup will, y- yes, will look like. That, I'm actually excited for it as much as I <laughs> lament the uh, how certain the outcome will be. I'm, no, I agree. I'm to see it. I just can't believe that he got like a technical foul, or didn't he get ejected? Like Boogie, he got Boogie ejected, Cousins, like yeah, on the yeah the, on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> not even on the thirteen man roster. He's not he even playing, and he got ejected. <laughs> Wearing street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Warriors are definitely looking loaded. Um, so let's let's uh, you know talk about what we've seen in this first month. You know, obviously there's uh, a lot still to happen, but. Are we overreacting to certain things or, uh, you know, or, or has what we've seen in the first month still going to look the same in April? And let's start that out by talking about the Toronto Raptors. And are they, the, uh, the Raptors are 
convincing Kawhi Leonard to re-sign in Toronto. Is that an overreaction? It looks like both Ben and I are shaking our heads. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if they have a good season, he likes playing there. I don't see why he would go somewhere else, right? Is there some sort of pull to another location for Kawhi Leonard? Like, is I mean, I LA. heard L.A. last yeah. year, but... Um, I'm just going to say overreaction well. just because it's t- like 13, 14 games into the season. Like, even that though, too. like, <laughs> they, they're the number one seed in the the east right now like it's it's just way too early yeah, to i mean know. they're they're 12 and 2 i think they're playing well yeah. i do think that if they keep this up then uh it's going to be difficult for Kawhi to leave uh especially if i mean they, he's you know they could actually he's talked make about, it out of this conference but yeah he's talked constantly about um or in the news that that he's going to go to la like no matter what happens but i mean if you look at what the Lakers have done getting LeBron like I don't know if he wants to play second fiddle with him on the roster so maybe he can go to the Clippers but like can you even name a player on the Clippers right now <laughs> Darius Thornwell yeah <laughs> um, so I, yeah, don't, I, mean, I don't know if he wants to go to the team Paul George said he was going to LA and that didn't happen so I'm I'm officially on the uh Let's wait and see before a guy actually leaves the the team that they were traded to for one season to go to L.A. um, to actually predict that. But speaking of L.A., uh, LeBron James. So the yeah he apparently was close to breaking down uh, according to him. the The Lakers right now they're seven and six. They've won three and three in a row. Uh, but they're outside of the playoffs as of right now, which definitely could still change, but it really has us wondering. So is it fair to say that LeBron doesn't care about this season? Is that an overreaction? I'm going to say it's not an overreaction because even if their team is good enough to make the playoffs, I think LeBron knows that their team is has no chance of really you know, making the finals, maybe even like winning a round um, with the team he's surrounded with it's like it's it's just him like rondo and like lance stevenson javale mcgee like i don't think michael beasley this yeah i don't think the surrounding cast like you know excluding lebron is very good like to win a title i i don't know i think lebron is a a stand-up guy and i think that he cares a lot about his legacy so i'm not going to say that he doesn't care about the season at all i think he's still going to show up and play hard but do i think he cares more about next season than this season i think yes because if the warriors can stop being the undefeatable force uh and lebron can get a little bit more talent around him i mean i think those things are all expected then yeah i think lebron james might be a little bit more invested in 2019 but at the same time well he cares about his legacy. He's also producing like 50 shows at the same time as the basketball is going on and like doing all this other stuff. So maybe he's yeah. just, the investment <laughs> is lower than normal, uh, which is maybe what you're getting at. But yeah, um, that's why I say he doesn't care about this season. I don't think that's an overreaction. Uh, I do think next year is he, that's the year if, if he really lands some guys, but I do think that this is his kind of chill in LA for a year. He's still putting up numbers, but um I think that LeBron is pretty understandable of the Lakers' limitations this year. That rumor of him, KD, and Kawhi all joining up to, as you know, joining up as a big three for the Lakers—that would be so wild. That would be awesome. I would love yeah. to see KD and LeBron James play together, and Kawhi. I mean, I would love <laughs> yeah. that too. But like, just having both of them finally like join forces would be amazing. Yeah. All right, next overreaction. 
the Wizards won't make the playoffs. That's an overreaction. When you have the Orlando Magic and the Brooklyn Nets ahead of you in the standings, I think they, I think John Wall and Bradley Beal are, are definitely good enough to, you know, bring the Wizards uh, to the playoffs. Like maybe not do anything in the playoffs, but they're good enough to, you know, get ahead of those two teams. Yeah, the NBA lets more than half of the teams in each division or conference make the playoffs. So yeah, I think that's a reaction. So I was close to saying that the Wizards wouldn't make the playoffs at the start of the season. I thought just, you know, with the the uncertainties with John Wall and Bradley Beal's relationship, add Dwight Howard to the mix, and I, I thought it was just a recipe for disaster. But then I realized just how how many rebuilding teams are in the East. So I'm going to actually go ahead and say it's not an overreaction. They're 4-9 right now. I do think that... Um, you know, they're, they're good enough to get back into it, but I don't know if uh, they're actually going to pull it off. I think that they're going to be close and up till the end, but I do think that we're going to see some surprise team get in over them. And I guess that kind of brings us to our next one is that, so in some combination, whether it's all of them, or some of them, the Grizzlies, Kings, Nets, Magic are playoff contenders. All of them are overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything for you on this one, Corey. These teams, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know who who's on the Grizzlies, so I can't oh, tell you anything. Uh, uh, like for the Grizzlies, Gasol, I mean, like Conley, yeah, have those are the Kyle only Anderson, two I can name too. Kyle Anderson, They're they two, have two old... Jackson Jr., number four overall pick in the draft. I think the Grizzlies are playoff contenders. I don't think that's an overreaction. I think last season they were extremely bad because of injuries and you know whatever. But the Grizzlies also made the playoffs what every year since like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, before that. So I think that the the Grizzlies were bad enough last year that people forgot they're actually a good team. And I, I definitely, whether they actually make the playoffs or not, I definitely think they're legitimate contenders. The Kings, they're they're not really a contender. They'll be bottom of the West before you know it. And the Nets and the Magic, I think the East is bad enough that they are actually playoff contenders. Definitely would not be in the West. They're definitely not great teams who have any chance of uh, knocking off one of the top teams in the East. But I will say that's not an overreaction that the Nets and the Magic, although the Nets, Karis LeVert getting injured is definitely a, a big blow to them. But I do think that uh, the eight seed in the East, you can probably get in with like 38 wins. So I'm going to make both of those teams playoff contenders. I'm going to say the Grizzlies are the only ones that I would kind of like to make the okay, playoffs. Thank if, you. Especially thank if, you. Yeah. Yeah, especially yeah. if they don't trade Mike Conley or Yeah, that's a Marcus big thing. Is if, as of right now, they're like the four seed in the West. So. That's, the only, that's the only reason why I said they're like not playoff contenders because I feel like one or if not both of them will get eventually traded to a team that's like contending and needs a veteran guy you know especially Marcus Gasol who's been trade rumors every single time every single deadline for like the past few years yeah but so yeah I would just say it depends on whether if they keep him or not yeah and just let me let me be clear I don't know enough about these teams to even have a reaction so that's why <laughs> I can't say it's an overreaction or not I just well and I'm just thinking about how the the magic exists in the same league as the wizards like that would be like having a team in the NFL. Like we have the Rams, and have another team be like the Horns. <laughs> like it's just like <laughs> derivative of another team. But uh, well, maybe maybe they won't be skill wise. Yeah. <laughs> what do I know? I mean, maybe yeah. if Mo Bamba and Vucevic like you know block fifteen shots a game, like maybe 
they could be a scary defense, but I don't is know. is Mo Bamba is his skill proportional to the um popularity the of the song by the same name? Oh, you mean like La Bamba? <laughs> no, 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 Mo, Mo Bamba. Bamba. I think if if Mo Bamba the player is as great as a song, then the Magic are going to make the NBA Finals. <laughs> okay, but he he's not at that level. No, he's he's, he's a rookie. He's he's menacing. Um, but I I do think the Magic need a, need to rely on a lot more than Mo Bamba this season to actually make the playoffs and be any kind of a threat in the East. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, no one was saying anything. Yeah. So <laughs> next one. Uh. So sticking in the East, Blake Griffin off to a hot start this season. Fifty points in a game earlier against the Philadelphia 76ers coming in. At, at this point now, he's cooled off a little bit. Still averaging twenty four and ten. Blake Griffin is a legitimate MVP candidate. Is that an overreaction or are we? Is Blake back? I'll say overreaction because I think um, my favorite uh, pick to win MVP this year is Giannis. And then even if he doesn't win, I still like Kawhi Leonard or Anthony Davis. Um, I would say those are my top three as well. Yeah, those are my top three. And then after those three, I mean, maybe Steph after that with his hot start. But I mean, with KD there, I mean, I don't think Steph can really get votes now. Um, So... I would stick with Giannis, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis, and then maybe Blake Griffin's fourth, but I would say that's an overreaction. Yeah, uh, candidate, dark horse, sure. But I don't know about it being my favorite. Yeah, so then you not know, my favorite. And then you but, know LeBron's going to get votes too just because he's LeBron. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, it's a lot more deserving this year if he can turn that team into uh, anything close to a legitimate like championship contender. Uh, but yeah, for me, I think Blake Griffin has cooled off a bit, and that's why I'm kind of backing off on that. I think you know maybe a couple weeks ago I would have said non-overreaction, but he was averaging 36 a game like maybe two weeks ago, and he's already down to 24. Obviously, small sample size this season, but I'm gonna say it's it is an overreaction right now. But I do think that the Pistons are a playoff team, and I think that Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond together are uh, they're they're gonna be doing pretty well. So we'll see where they go from here and where Blake goes from here. Uh, and then finally, Duke and RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson, Coach K could beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is not an overreaction. Cleveland sucks. <laughs> They're so bad. <laughs> okay, I need I need some context here because there's always that saying. It's like, oh, Alabama could beat the Browns, right? And that largely like the consensus is that they know they couldn't yes because even though alabama is usually a pretty good football team that like the nfl is just wholly better than college football um but is the same thing true for the nba there's all these one and done guys in college so is it the same thing is it or is it different i I I actually do part of the argument um i actually do agree with ben that like it's not the same with like nfl than it is with nba because like in the NFL, like, there's, like, legit talent. And in the NBA, like, there's so many one-and-dones, like, or for college, I mean, that, like, these guys are already that good, like, even at 18 years old. So 
And then when you look at the Cavs, I mean, it's just after Kevin Love, it's a wasteland. Like, yeah, I think Kyle Korver's this... like, Kyle Korver's old. J.R. Smith is terrible. Um, and then Tristan Thompson just is the biggest idiot in the NBA. Sure. And so you've got a bad team in, in the Cavs, but let's talk about Duke. Because, I mean, how many of these guys are going to go in the top five? Three of them. I, I mean, Williamson's already being compared to LeBron, too. Yeah, Zion Williams is getting LeBron comparisons. RJ Barrett is a, a stud himself. Cam Reddish. Duke is, is loaded with freshman talent this year that are going to be guys taken at the top in the NBA. Well, well t- talk talking to me. Talk to a like non-college basketball fan. Tell me why I should care about the other two. Of course, I know who Zion Williamson is, but tell me who two and three are. Well, RJ Barrett's one. Zion's two. Wow. Okay, so what's he That's good why. <laughs> Um, he's a more all around player. So Zion Williamson, you know, he's going to dunk. He's going to be menacing down low. Um, doesn't have the same kind of shooting skills. Whereas RJ Barrett has like that, that complete like point forward type play. Um, and admittedly, I don't really know a whole lot about Cam Reddish. All I know is he's a number three guy in the, uh, number three recruit heading into this season. So, so Williamson's not even the best player on his team. He's getting compared to LeBron. Based on based on <laughs> recruiting, but yeah, yeah. So I honestly, this is the kind of thing that I normally laugh off, but I think that there's enough dysfunction in Cleveland that the Cavs, even if you know those NBA players are more talented than Duke's top to bottom college players, they could find a way to lose. So I'm gonna also say this is not an overreaction. And I I'm, would love. Well, I would love to see an interleague exhibition match between these two. and uh, oh, It'll never they, happen. If, if Duke wins, then they switch spots. Duke can join the NBA, and uh, <laughs> I think the Cavs would be a, you know, a great you know, 16 seed for the NCAA. Yeah, they, hey, they, they dominate the Big Ten, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's enough basketball talk. talk. Let's, uh, let's kind of move on to baseball and um, – well, we got to start off by talking about the Red Sox winning the World Series, right, Brian? I know it's been you, a couple weeks, you bet. but <laughs> so 108 win regular season, and they just dominated in the playoffs. That surprised me. I know neither of us thought that they would end up winning the World Series before the season started, or even starting the playoffs, and they did, and uh, it, it's awesome. Yeah, so, I yeah, really, I mean, really great season. Yeah, the reason like I didn't think they would like starting like when it was the beginning of October, I didn't think they would win the World Series. It was mostly just because of Houston. Because like, after Houston, I actually thought they were the next best team, but I thought their bullpen issues um, would eventually catch up to them, especially against Houston. Um, but uh, Ryan Brazier was great, and Matt Barnes was also good. And then Joe Kelly was the absolute man. Striking out the side yep. in the eighth yeah. inning, was I was so pumped up. The only thing that would have made that better is if he struck out Puig, and I would have just been like, suck it, Ben, at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I uh, I like the Red Sox, too, because of the Gamecocks. So <laughs> yeah, that would have hurt. Pierce, but... World Series MVP. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with the the bullpen problems. I also thought Houston was pretty loaded. Um, they were, I yeah. thought they were they were loaded everywhere. That's why I really thought yeah. that they would yeah. win. Mm-hmm. But and that's now four four World Series titles in fifteen seasons for the team that didn't win a single one in eighty six years. So uh, definitely a fantastic season for the Red Sox. I wish I could have been in Boston to experience the the World Series celebration this year. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they do in free agency, whether if they bring 
Beck, uh, Evaldi, um, Kimbrell, or uh, Joe Kelly, and so on. Uh, I would. Definitely I agree. Like, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I definitely want Evaldi and Joe Kelly back, but at the right price, yep. of course. Sure. Um, I, as much as I'd like Steve Pierce back, I don't think it's realistic because I feel like they could just find another, you know, good hitting, um, you know, first baseman for, you know, a mm. lot less money, even though as crazy was in the postseason, of course, um, even though Kimbrell like, wasn't like, he was good. He's obviously a great regular season closer, and he's was obviously a disaster in the postseason. But I'd prefer not to bring him back and make someone else a closer with that's Joe Kelly or Ryan Brazier and so on. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm I'm just about done with Kimbrel after this postseason. Uh, I don't know in terms of free agency. Maybe getting a guy like Andrew Miller. Um, <laughs> definitely don't want Yuris Familia coming in. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that Kimbrel, I mean, he's the number one closer on the market, but uh, I do uh, I, agree. I'd like to see Evaldi and Joe Kelly come back. Evaldi's mm-hmm. um, a tough one because he's probably there. He's like their fourth or fifth starter, and his, I think he it, could be a two or a three, and uh, depending on the situation. Yeah, and his value definitely skyrocketed after what he didn't like, especially in that World Series when he yeah. wasn't even supposed to pitch Game Three, and he ended up pitching like six plus innings uh, like, mm-hmm. at a relief. Um, so like I can see him just, you know, getting a huge contract from like whether it's the Yankees or whoever. Yeah. So well, that would be interesting if he ends up back in New York, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, I guess, you know, moving on from the Red Sox. So, you know, the, the two big free agents are Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Uh, do you guys have any predictions on where you think they're going to end up? Um, for Machado, I'll guess if I had to just guess, like I don't really have that much of a clue, but I'll guess the Yankees for Machado. I think that's a big need. Like I, their outfield, if they if they keep Judge and Stan, like is pretty much set. But after Gregorius like got hurt and is going to be out for a pretty long time, like that opens the door for them to get a shortstop, especially someone as good as Machado. And then for Harper, if I had to guess. Probably the Cubs, even though I've heard a lot of rumors on the Phillies. Um, but for for him to go to the Cubs, like uh, Theo would need to trade at least um, Schwarber or Hayward because they definitely have too much salary in the outfield right now. With yeah, with how yeah, much, with yeah. How much I've heard that have. the Cubs might not be a, a major player in free agency like like we thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely was thinking that Harper to the Cubs made the most sense. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the Dodgers for Bryce Harper. Uh, I think that there are definitely like some scenarios where he could end up taking a shorter contract uh, with a lot more money now uh, on different teams. But I do think the Dodgers would be the most willing to meet his demands of a you know, 10 plus year and coming close to that $400 million that some people think that he could earn. That is. Uh, a good I know point. MLB trade rumors is predicting 14 and 420 million for him to the Dodgers. So we'll see how that happens. Um, I don't think I, Machado to the, the Yankees. I think he ends up in with the Phillies. I do think the Phillies are going to be major players and end up getting one of those guys. And I think it's going to be Machado. I don't really have a confidence, have much confidence in either of those picks. I probably have a little bit more confidence in the Machado one, the Harper one. I have no idea. Cause like I heard a yeah. ton of rumors that it was going to be the Cubs, but now like um, I've heard, 
that's going to be the Phillies. But then hearing your point, the Dodgers make a lot of sense. So yeah, I don't think I don't think the Red Sox will be in on either. No, no, I don't want the Red Sox to get Bryce Harper. Yeah, I don't either. I could also see him going back to the Nationals if if you know they're willing to up their ante because they they gave him ten years, three hundred million, and he turned that down. Yeah, and he didn't really have that great of a season last year. No, I also I also no. kind of I also kind of worry about. Um, you know, like his funky swing about like with his hips. I wonder if that will give him any problems later in his career or not. I'm not sure, but I don't. Yeah, I would definitely be hesitant to give him that kind of long term deal. Yeah. Um, just looking at Miguel Cabrera, Albert Pujols, and you know the the way that they're they do so much money. Um, oh my god! The, the, yeah. The Cabrera one's a disaster too. Yeah. Oh, the Tigers are in bad shape. Ben, do you have any thoughts on where uh, Machado and Harper are going to end up? Oh, it's obvious. They're both of them to LA confirmed. Who wouldn't want to play with the great Yasiel Puig? <laughs> you think after this... yeah, the, these three months, Machado's back to the Dodgers? <laughs> Easiest call of my life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea. I, like the the uh, the the Puig bit is getting old. I really have no insight on baseball, <laughs> especially not off season baseball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um any other free agents you want to talk about, Brian? Um no, that's that's about it. Just Machado, Harper, <laughs> yeah, those are and then definitely the, the Red Sox two. ones. Yeah. Are um, the ones that I most concentrated on. Yeah, no, I guess I'll, I'll I'll talk a little about the Pirates. So, I do think that they they have a, some areas that they could address, but whether or not they actually look to do that through free agency is uh who knows? They literally didn't sign a single free agent last offseason. So re-signing Young Ho Gong um, to a one-year contract was officially made it so they had more free agent signings than they did all of last offseason. Uh, I do think that they could use a middle infielder and maybe some outfield help with Gregory Polanco, likely to be sidelined the first couple months of the year. Uh, I would also like to see them bring in a, a starting pitcher just to add to that rotation. There's definitely some uncertainty there after Jameson Tyon with Chris Archer. Probably gave up a little too much for him. Avon Nova uh, definitely has not pitched as well as he did in their, their brief um, couple months with him in 2016 when they first traded for him, uh, as they thought they would when, when they re-signed him that offseason. Trevor Williams, great season, but... Uh, probably an anomaly or at least going to take a little bit of step backward so uh but for me i, I mean you said you, uh, you said you said that like they need outfield help well they've gotten it but they keep trading away yeah like, they, <laughs> i mean they traded they traded uh they traded jason bay to the red Sox. they traded that's, xavier that's Mady, just how okay those nate, are way nate, way back uh, no nate mcleod then they then they traded andrew, andrew mccutcheon, McCutcheon. Is a big one. <laughs> yeah i don't think they're gonna be able to bring him back um, they're not gonna be able to afford the kind of contract that he'll be demanding um, I think if anything, they'd be looking for like a fourth outfielder, a kind of like utility guy in the infield. I think as Drupal Cabrera as an option, um, John Jay is a name that I've heard that makes a lot of sense in Pittsburgh. Maybe he'll reunite with Neil Walker, uh, but I do think that the Pirates will be relying on some minor moves. But the, the NL Central's loaded. You know, Milwaukee and Chicago are both going to be back, and St. Louis is, you know, they they have a new manager, and I think they really figured things out. So. Um, I, I know I went on the way back machine. I just yeah. I just know no, that they keep no, trading they, they outfielders. They trade everybody. That is that's fair. Um, um, who do you th- they'll probably be better than the Reds. Yeah, right, I would hope so. Division. I would hope so. 
but we'll see yeah. how, how Cincinnati Wait, so we're, does. So what are you saying? Oh, I was going to say, okay, so um, you think the Yankees land Manny Machado as their top free agent? Um, I think they're going to end That's up getting guess, yeah. Patrick Corbin. I think they're going to address their rotation. And I think we could be on another collision course next season with Boston and New York as uh, the, the class of the American League. So I do kind of want to change my mind, though, what? like hearing what you said about Harper. Okay. That, like, you can't change your if mind. If he's going to get no. ten, if, yeah, it's true. If he's it's just like if he's going to end like, up going to the Cubs that, now, oh, ten, 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> 10 years, 400 million. Like, oh, yeah. What team would do that? Like, it's probably the Dodgers. Yeah. If it's going to be any team. So, yeah, it's going to be the Cubs now. Now that like, I'm changing <laughs> my mind. Yeah. All right. And it's just not watch. It's just not going to be either of them now. It's just going to be like some <laughs> yeah, random team. The the uh, Astros almost got traded there. Right. I did. I did hear that r- rumor that, or like fact maybe that like he was almost traded the, mm-hmm. to Houston like last year during the deadline. Yeah. But the the GM turned down the deal, which could have screwed up uh, the Red Sox hopes in yeah winning this year. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll never know. Um, mm-hmm. but all right, so, uh, let's, let's move on now and we're a, a week until Thanksgiving, uh, this will be the, the last podcast that we record until then. So, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, there's, there's football, obviously that's, that's something that we enjoy about the day, but the main event is the food. So, uh, in honor of Thanksgiving, we will break down our favorite Thanksgiving dinner dishes in the top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. All right, so we're going to do this top five a little bit differently than normal. Um, And we're actually going to go one at a time, just going through all five of our lists. You know, we'll make our comments, and then from there we'll kind of, you know, debate, critique each other's lists, see where we go. So, um, Brian, as the, the guest host, why don't you start off? All right. Well, I my at number five, I went with brownies. Um, and the reason why I guess is just because um, after the big meal, like get dessert later, and that's usually what I like to have. But my next four are the ones that I really want to talk about. I know that's really not much <laughs> of a, much of an opinion. <laughs> it's just I'm not a fan of. I'm actually not a fan of pie or cake. Wow. Really? So okay. wait, is is brownies yeah. like a, a staple yeah. uh, at your Thanksgiving though? Because yeah. I actually don't yeah. think I've had brownies at Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think anyone else has. Your <laughs> <laughs> list should be invalid from after that one. But all right, yeah, <laughs> go like, on with your top four. <laughs> is it just straight chocolate, or are there nuts in there? Um, both. <laughs> yeah. I like my brownies with nuts. <laughs> It's Thanksgiving. Let's stop talking should... about brownies. <laughs> I know. I knew, I knew once I was going to, once I started talking, I'm like, oh, this is going to go downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Brian, what's your number four? Keep going. Oh, I'm going to, oh, keep going? Yeah, All you're right. doing the whole list. Um, yeah. I'm going to do the whole list? Oh, yeah. geez. All right. Four, I had mac and cheese. Classic. And what I, yeah, I'm sure you guys had that on your list, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. Um, but what's great about it is that, like, you put breadcrumbs on it, and 
a slight amount of ketchup, not too much. I, that's a, probably a very unpopular opinion. Maybe I should just leave right now. <laughs> what do no, you guys think? This is about what you, makes Thanksgiving good to you. I, I support your choices, Brian. Don't I'm not. Anymore. Well, you just said like what makes Thanksgiving good to me. I'm not the biggest fan of Thanksgiving. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. I have a, yeah. yeah, I have a hot take on that as well. But... Yeah, I just I I'm not gonna lie. I just I like I just want to watch football. <laughs> See my fantasy team go up. Last last year I had I had Keenan Allen on my team. Whew, he destroyed the Cowboys last year. <laughs> this is this is going well by the way, yeah, guys. Yeah, keep it, keep it going, I'm talking, I'm talking right, about I'm talking about Keenan I'm, I'm talking about Keenan Allen in the <laughs> Thanksgiving we finally have food a top bit. five that's not sports related and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my kryptonite. Uh, three, I had mashed potatoes. Who doesn't like mashed potatoes? Yes. Um, but I had another hot take. I don't like it with gravy. Ooh. I prefer just okay. the straight up mashed potatoes. Okay. It, it's like the pancakes, right? Oh, I prefer yeah. it without maple syrup. I'm the one guy on earth that <laughs> wow. prefers it without maple syrup. <laughs> um, number two, I had cranberry sauce because, uh, you know, cranberry sauce is pretty awesome. I've actually, no joke. Um, I've gotten cranberry sauce, uh, cranberry sauce for, uh, Christmas. Nice. <laughs> and it, oh, wow. From, you know, my relatives and like they would wrap. Oh, you, you know, like it got it as a present. Yeah. Like I <laughs> legit got it as a present because no <laughs> I'm known for liking two. it that much. <laughs> and then, num- and then number one, I went with the King Hawaiian, Hawaiian, uh, dinner rolls, Ooh, which are okay. absolutely amazing. Like, you know, have you guys ever seen the movie, the blind side? Yeah, of course. Okay, remember that scene where they have Thanksgiving dinner together, and all of a sudden Michael Michael Orr, he's like next to the rolls, and he's just like looking around everywhere, and then all of a sudden he takes one, puts in his pocket, takes another, puts in his pocket. That's like me with the rolls. <laughs> like I just want like a dozen of them right in my lap and nothing else. I love, I love King Hawaiian rolls. Nice. I think that's what it is, King Hawaiian. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I assume that's so yeah, the rolls about. are the bomb. Yeah. Nice. So I, that's my uh, list. <laughs> I like your list, Brian. Don't ignore yeah, the haters. That's a, that's a, that's a roller coaster it, of a, a, a top five right there. Um, I probably shouldn't have gone first. <laughs> I probably should have gone format. Okay. Um, yeah. What's your number four? Oh uh, well, Keenan Allen <laughs> killed it last year. <laughs> okay. Okay, Ben. Um, do you wanna do you wanna do I, your list? I do. I do wanna okay. go. All right. So my number five is apple slash pumpkin pie. Because I I am a, actually a pretty big fan of pie, and neither of these are my favorite type of pie, but I think that they're a Thanksgiving essential. Yeah, I, and I like to have at least one slice of each just to get uh, to get my bases covered because I need to have both. I do enjoy them. I even enjoy my uh, apple pie with a little scoop of vanilla ice cream, maybe a little a little bit of uh, cool whip uh, to top it <laughs> off. So that's, but I'm not at Thanksgiving for the dessert. It's an essential part of it, but it's usually just something that I'm trying to stuff down my gullet uh, as I'm watching some football after I've enjoyed the real meaning, uh, the re- the real reason we've gathered around the table, uh, which is for the hearty meal itself. And what would that meal be without turkey? And I, to tell you the truth, turkeys, well, their reputation is lucky that Thanksgiving is a very turkey-centric uh, meal. Uh, you could say that turkeys are unlucky because it causes the death of many a turkey. But as far as a, uh, as, a as a meat, I think that turkeys are fortunate to have an entire holiday uh, 
that is dedicated to eating them because I actually don't think turkey's all that good. I know that's blasphemous or whatever, um, and I know that it comes with the, like the what is it melatonin that makes you sleepy. Uh, yep. Yep. And, and and that stuff. So it's cool, whatever. I'm not hating on turkey, uh, but I think it's a I'm, little bit dry. Brian, did you ha- have something to say about turkey? Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of turkey. Yeah, it, I, it's I all right. It's all, wow. I eat it overrated. because I want to be sleepy after. And I think part of that is also just like a mental thing because I don't think you get that much melatonin out of it. But uh, again, it's Thanksgiving. It's an essential part. So I get it. But my, my dad actually. There's, oh, yeah. No, you go ahead. Well, Sorry. my dad has started. He got a smoker. And you start preparing the turkey in there, and that I'm a big fan of. It keeps the turkey nice and moist. Uh, so I do enjoy that turkey in my number four as we continue. Brian, did you have something to say about turkey? Yeah, I remember one time when I was a lot younger, um, when I had a plate of turkey and I just did not like it, I decided to my, – my, uh, my family, right, they brought over their dog, right? Oh, no. And so what I did was I slid the plate of turkey, like, closer and closer to the side of the table. Wow. And all of a sudden, the dog just jumped up and grabbed the turkey. <laughs> and everyone everyone noticed me, like, you know, just trying to get rid of it. And everyone – every year, I get called out on it. Well, I, I like, think wow. I think we've all had that kind of, like – bite of turkey that's so dry you can't even swallow it that's, like you try yeah. to yeah. you try to be polite you know you put the napkin up like you're just wiping your mouth but you spit the turkey out into it. <laughs> that so, would have been uh, a much that would have been a much better idea yeah <laughs> yeah or you just go to the dog you know either way yeah but um yeah. but but it's thanksgiving and i think turkey's essential so number four on my list uh number three mac and cheese and i'm talking about the good stuff i i like I don't want to see any Kraft mac and cheese on my table at Thanksgiving. I love Kraft mac and cheese, but Thanksgiving is the time to get, yeah, the breadcrumbs that gets yep. nice and brown on the top. And you've got all the cheese that kind of congeals. It forms a layer on the top that it's – you put a little more effort in because it is the holiday. And it's uh, – mac and cheese is an important part, but it has to be prepared the right way. Uh, my number two is mashed potatoes and gravy. I do enjoy the gravy part of it, but I also need my mashed potatoes to be nice and chunky. I'm not even, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not against having some skin in there. You know, give me the chunks. Wow. I want to be able to chew a little bit on my mashed potatoes. Uh, obviously, I, they're still mashed potatoes, but you guys know what I'm talking about. There has a little, yeah, almost yeah, like uh-huh. little yeah. knots in there. I know what and, you mean. Uh, I was and, just about to say that, like, when you said gravy, I was like, yes, yeah, so that's a great take. And then you went on that. I was like, ah, I don't know. You and Brian. We're all going to agree to disagree on how we like our mashed potatoes. Yeah, well, I... <laughs> Prepare to, Corey, after seeing your reaction to Brian's number one, I know you're going to love mine because my number one is definitely the Pillsbury Crescent Rolls. And my mom, every Thanksgiving, she knows what to do. She makes way, (laughs) way too many so that when it comes around, you're just piling them on the plate. And I know that eating bread is, you know, you'll fill up and all that, but that's a price that I'm willing to pay because I love those warm little brown crescent rolls. And I just, that ends up being the thing that I, I reach for the most at Thanksgiving and the thing I look forward to the most. So they round out my top five at number one crescent. Yeah, that's the best part of Thanksgiving. I think you know what I should do this year. I should just take the big plate of rolls and just put it right where I'm sitting. And then like, this is, this is all mine right here. Yes. That's, that would be the best. And, and honestly, actually, since I live far away from all of my family at this point, um, I actually didn't go home for Thanksgiving last year. We did. I did my first Friendsgiving uh, with some of my friends here in Oklahoma, 
and uh, that was cool and everything. But I really didn't miss Thanksgiving all that much. Christmas is way better, and it's way more worth it to travel for. This year, I'm going way out of the box, and Ooh. I actually have some uh, international friends here in Oklahoma who are like I have a Taiwanese friend and a Korean friend, and they on occasion have taken me to Asian restaurants that they really know the food well and they'll order like all the best stuff. And we went to this dim sum restaurant like a month ago and we got a, like a roast duck, you know, the kind where you see them hanging yep, in the Asian yep. market, you see them hanging up and they look like they look naked. They're all Brown and stuff, dude. Roast duck is amazing. And that is the type of bird I'm trying to eat on Thanksgiving this year. So nice. maybe my top five will be different next year because I'm really looking forward to that dim sum duck. Did you see the uh, yeah, my- of Carson Wentz during his bye week No. He was just, he posted a bunch of pics with, oh, God, there had to have been, like, 50 ducks that he, he killed wherever he was hunting. Um, I feel like if you, you saw that, your your mouth would start watering. It's so fatty. Duck is so Duck good. is good. I, I really like duck. That's So you're not going to turducken, though? Straight uh, duck. I don't know if they'll, if they can prepare that at the dim sum restaurant that I'm going to, then I'll order it, but I don't think it's likely. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Um, I think you're about to say something, Brian. About I don't duck, even maybe. remember what I was gonna I say. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll jump into my list. Uh, roles that that those are good having you guys. Your number one. I'll I'll talk about those in a bit. Um, but I'm gonna start with my number five, and that is stuffing. And I think the biggest reason why I put stuffing number five is because up until I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, I was convinced that I didn't like stuffing, and then I don't know why I just. So I'm pretty sure it was actually when I was in Easley, South Carolina for Thanksgiving uh, with Ben and his family when I tried stuffing for maybe the first time. And I was like, wow, why didn't I eat this? This is actually like pretty good. Um, I think I was always just grossed out by it. And that's the reason why I got to throw that in my top five. Um, only nice. time of year where I have Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if it's your mom who prepared it, but someone did a great job with it. And uh, yeah, it's always going to end up on my Thanksgiving plate um, from here on out. Number four, cranberry sauce. Uh, definitely agree with Brian's pick on this one. I know it's kind of an unpopular one. To me, whether it's homemade, uh, you got the, the fresh cranberries in it, or just the, the canned cranberry sauce, I think it's a, a very important part of the Thanksgiving meal. And, you know, that's your, your fruit and vegetables right there. So it's kind of healthy, right? Um, Even when it's not Thanksgiving, I'll buy the cans from the grocery store the and just just take the whole can and just take a spoon and just eat just all of it. Eating it like it's, it's jello. Like, oh yeah, man. it's like, yeah, just it's like it's like two hundred grams of sugar just straight yeah. in my mouth. <laughs> okay, I definitely don't do that. This is another one only Thanksgiving. Uh, number three is mac and cheese. And I also had mac and cheese for the first time on Thanksgiving uh, with the Carlson family. And I was actually surprised that you included this in your top five, Ryan, because I had never had Thanksgiving uh, with mac and cheese. Uh, That's just not a thing up north, uh, at least as far as I know. I don't know if you have Thanksgiving in Alabama or with your family from um, Alabama. Uh, um, I've had it occasionally, but most of the time I have it up here in New Hampshire. But yeah. Do you make mac and cheese every year? In New Hampshire? Uh, yeah, like probably for the past yeah, like seven or eight years. Yeah. Okay. Mac and yeah. No, sometimes actually... it's a di- sometimes it's different mac and cheese. Sometimes it's the yeah. It's not. It's never the craft one. Don't no. worry. Ben. No, but... it's always homemade. Yeah, my mom yeah. always my mom always makes it because I made her start making it for 
every year. Um, always did it for Christmas and Easter. I said make her do it for Thanksgiving as well after having it um, with Ben's family. And uh, my mom, I think every time she's made mac and cheese has been a different recipe that she found on Google. Uh, it's always always really good. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll have uh, different proportions of breadcrumbs or cheese or whatever. It's always a surprise how it's going to turn out. But yeah, it's um, mine is always like slightly different. Yeah, it's definitely. The brand it's, or... it's a Thanksgiving staple for me now. And uh, anyone from the north listening to this who's never had mac and cheese on Thanksgiving, uh, definitely get that on your plate this year. Uh, my number two, uh, I guess this is an unpopular opinion with you guys, but it's turkey and especially turkey with gravy you know it's it's the main part of the meal i always look forward to eating turkey and uh to me the the gravy is the best part i do agree that sometimes turkey be a little dry that's why you you get that that good stuff on it and then uh you know make it nice and moist and nice and delicious Uh, i could a lot of turkey 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 and gravy i I just want to leave right now turkey is my number four dude i like turkey it is it is so good (laughs) Okay, but my number one, apple pie. Thanksgiving is one of those holidays where, yes, you have so much food, but you got to save room for dessert. And to me, while apple pie might might be my favorite, might, might be blueberry, I do think apple pie is the staple for the holidays and not a big pumpkin pie fan. So to me, if it's got to be one or the other, it's it's apple pie every time. I'm very much looking forward to having some nice warm apple pie with, uh, as Ben mentioned, some vanilla ice cream and maybe some Cool Whip. Uh, and I, uh, to me, that that's that's easily my number one. I could eat apple pie anytime during the year, but especially on Thanksgiving. And well, I definitely considered putting dinner rolls. Uh, so my family, we actually always get um, Texas Roadhouse dinner rolls with their cinnamon butter. And those are always <laughs> awesome. Um, but my reasoning for not putting it in the top five is because dinner rolls are they're not they're not unique to Thanksgiving. So that was what I kind of tried to do with my list is that, you know, at least four of the five were unique to Thanksgiving. So that's why dinner rolls didn't make the cut. But I do agree that's going to be a very, very big part of my thanksgiving meal and i'll I'll probably have uh more than a few rolls i don't know what i would do without them on thanksgiving yeah you would you would you would eat Uh, i would just stay in the living room and watch football yeah can of cranberry sauce in your hands yeah that's what i should do i I should take the cranberry sauce the rolls not even go to the dinner table just go to just go to the couch and just Just sit there watching the cowboys yeah yeah all right (laughs) So that's all we have for you today. Um, it's definitely a longer episode, but I think it was a fun one. And, uh, you know, I guess just, uh, you know, you're listening to this. If, if you made it this far, you're one of our, our many great listeners. I actually just realized, uh, like, tonight that the last time that we had Brian on, we were also joined by Colton. We had 93 listeners on that podcast. And our most oh, recent man. one, um, just me and Ben, had 72. And we were getting, like... 20s and 30s before that so I, I was very very surprised and very happy to see that so hey you know tell tell your friends tell your family uh you know go go like and subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. you know give us a review we don't have any we have we have a few ratings but no reviews um that would definitely help get some feedback uh we definitely enjoy doing this and uh we look forward to bringing you more and more episodes in the future uh brian and ben is there anything you guys want to leave us with 
Uh, I can see it now. There's there's going to be a review on me where it's one star. Oh, they got to get rid of that kid who likes the dinner rolls and the cranberry sauce and <laughs> only cares about fantasy football. I can see that Brownie, happening. Brownies, brownies Thanksgiving. Is, yeah, brownies. That, that, that was the most egregious pick. That, that, <laughs> I'll admit, uh, like, I only... Like the top four are much higher than that fifth one. I just threw that one in there. I'm like, oh, oh I do like brownies. And uh, I, I saw this on a Bleacher Report tweet this morning. I'm not exactly sure what it means, but uh, like if it's all competitions or what. But apparently, the United States women's national team is undefeated in 2018, and I think that's pretty awesome because wow. our men's team leaves a lot to be desired, but our yep. women keep. Uh, dominating year after year. So go women's team. Yep, World Cup 2019, uh, going for back-to-back titles. So I, the most I've ever enjoyed soccer was that final versus Japan, where they scored four goals in like the first 15 <laughs> minutes, and then Carly Lloyd with her third goal, she kicks it from like the middle, like midfield, yes. and the, the the Japanese goalie just falls, you know. <laughs> flat on her face i loved it yeah, yeah. i've never enjoyed that goddess. much soccer in my life yeah it was the greatest 15 minutes of soccer i've ever watched <laughs> all right uh in the words of ben carlson go niners thanks everyone